thank you so much for listening to another episode of CX Chronicles Podcast. I'm your host, Adrian Brady Chisana. Tune in each week as we listen to amazing customer-focused business leaders from across the world sharing their personal stories about their teams, tools, process, and feedback. Check us out at cxchronicles.com today or listen on iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher. Today's episode is brought to you by Deft. The Deft team humanizes technology by designing, building, operating, securing, and scaling your unique technology solutions with a singular purpose, to deftly deliver on the promise of technology for you and your customers. Check out what the team at Deft is working on today by visiting them at deft.com. They make IT infrastructure work smarter for your business. Hey folks, thanks so much for listening to another episode of the CX Chronicles podcast. I wanted to take a minute to call out some of the things that we're working on here at CXE today. Number one, CX scorecards. Take a minute to see how your team and your business is performing across the four CX pillars. Number two, CX boot camps. If you need somebody in your company or if you need one of your CX and CS leaders to get some additional training, coaching, and fractional CXO support, ask us about our CX boot camps. We do a full deep dive with live coaching with your team to run through all the facets of the CX and the CS land. And number three, CX accelerators. We have been privileged to work with some incredible companies across the world, helping them build their CX and CS roadmap for success as they scale their business and as they scale their team. Do not hesitate to reach out to CX Chronicles today to ask us how we can help make customer happiness a habit within your business. All right, guys, thanks so much for listening to another episode of the CX Chronicles podcast. I'm your host, Adrian Brady Chizana. Super excited to welcome Mr. Aaron Biggs to the call. Aaron, say hello to the CX Nation, my friend. Hey, everybody. Glad to be here. So, guys, Aaron's got an awesome story that he's going to share with us today. Aaron is the Vice President of Revenue at Deft in the Chicago area. And, uh, Aaron, I'm, I'm super excited for you to start off today's show. Why don't you give the CX Nation your two-minute elevator pitch around how you, number one, how'd you get into this whole space? How'd you find an awesome company like Deft? But number two, how'd you become a customer-focused business leader? I mean, being a, being a Vice President of Revenue is no easy task, my friend. So I'd love to. I'd love for you to set the stage around how you got into this whole world and how you started working with customers and leading teams. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, you know, as you said, I've, I've. I think as we all have, I've, I've led an interesting career path. Uh, started in in operations and, and led down sales and customer success and ultimately into the the role that many of us call revenue these days. Uh, I think that. Um, one of the things that defined that for me was experience across different industries. So working in uh, consumer electronics, working in biotech, working in um, uh, SaaS, uh, now working in the, the managed IT infrastructure space. Uh, doesn't matter where you are, everybody's focused on serving their customers. Uh, and, and one of the things that has really been motivating for me across all those different roles and across all those different industries is uh, the impact you can have on your customer. So uh, you know, sometimes we get focused on hitting that, uh, hitting that growth curve, hitting that, that customer target, uh, retention, whatever it might be. But uh, at the end of the day, all those KPIs exist so that we're, we're growing the business and, and we're supporting, you know, whatever journey those customers are on. And so that's been the motivator for me. Uh, and one of the things that I love about Deft is that, 
you know, we focus on supporting the infrastructure of, of businesses on the IT managed services side. Uh, and it's the great unifier. Doesn't matter what industry you work in, everybody's got an infrastructure they have to scale. Doesn't yep. matter what size company you are, everybody has growth challenges and, and scale challenges across that IT fun function and space. Uh, and it doesn't matter what, what platform you live in, right? Whether you're rocking old school bare metal servers or uh, scaling out a public cloud uh, infrastructure, everybody has a challenge, needs external validation, support, augmentation. Uh, and it's really motivating to engage in some of these business use cases, unlock for companies their ability to go focus on their product, their customer base, and not have to worry about the, the technology holding them back. So that's what keeps me motivated, uh, what I hope keeps my, my team motivated and you know why we exist and, and what we're out there for. I love it, man. Uh, I, I mean, number one, I think it's um, the points you just made around every business in the world, every executive team, every customer focused business leader, it's hard. It's really hard to build these businesses, keep these teams aligned, keep your customers aligned, make sure that expectations are always fully baked. This stuff is hard. So like anywhere that you can find areas in your business where you get a little bit of a, uh, a extra support, additional expertise, strategic partnerships, even if they're not full-time, right? Even if they're not like full-time people that are baked into your business every single day, every company in the world finally gets to a point of scale. I think Aaron, we're like, they start to kind of build their little, their own little Swiss, Swiss part, Swiss, army knife, right? They got all their little tools, all their little strategic partners, all their little uh, facets that helps them get by every single day, every single week, every single month. So I love that. That's one of the things that you guys are building at, at Deft. Um, what about the customer side? What, what, like, I, I just, I just want to, before we hop into team, what was like the, the couple things early on in your career that made you realize you love working with customers? What was the thing that drew you to the fact that like, you knew every single day you wanted to kind of get up and work on customer problems or solutions to customer problems as you progressed into your career? Yeah, it's a great question, right? I think um, it's, it's maybe meant something to me differently along the way. Uh, I think when I, I started, it was about, uh, you know, how, how do I enable my team members to go out there and be the best uh, advocate for whatever it is we might be offering to those customers? And how do I make sure they're unlocking uh, what, what they can for, for those customers along that journey that they're on? Uh, and as I, I grew into different roles and functions and management, uh, some of that evolved into it's it's really exciting. I, I you know I think that it's really easy to get stuck in a role where you're focused on a singular product, service, line of business, uh, and there's nothing wrong with that. But I think that for me, being customer facing means that a good part of my day every day is engaging with those customers and those clients and understanding parts of their business, helping them think out loud about what's wrong, what should I be doing better? Why, why am yep. I not, you know, behaving uh, like my, my peers or like the best practice examples that, that we can outline for them? Uh, and, and how do you help them unlock something that, that moves their business and their own careers uh, forward? Plus, you know, I think just being customer facing means that uh, as we all know, every day is a, a new uh, challenge, a, a new uh, a new uh, hurdle to to face. Oh yeah, <laughs> and, <laughs> Big and that's, that's not a bad thing, right? I mean, it, it, it's not stale. I can tell you, I've never had a day in in a customer facing role that was uh, doldrums and and avoided yeah. that uh, that excitement. So that's yep. a lot of what has drawn me in and and kept me there. That's super cool, man. I, I appreciate you sharing that. And I think, you know, you're right. Number one, anybody that's in a customer facing role and is managing 
customer communications, customer expectations, um, just just day to day, you know, day to day customer ops. They're going to completely agree with what you just said. Every day is wildly different. You have some awesome days where seemingly everything's going perfect in your portfolio or perfect in your pipeline or every one of the deals and the accounts you have is like flying along perfect. And then you get some of those days and those weeks where it literally feels like everything just turned red on you and you don't know why. And it's, it's it, it, but you're right. It keeps things different. It's uh it's the wonderful up and down of, of being in a customer focused role. But um, Aaron, I'd love to dive into the first CX pillar of team, man. So you've got the super cool team over at Deft. You're responsible for revenue sales, the most important part of any business. I'd love for you to give us a sense for how the team's been built at Deft and give us some insights into sort of the team that you're building and some of the different roles and some of the different positions that you guys have taking care of your customers every single solitary day. Yeah, absolutely. Right. And I think the first thing is that it's uh, it's not static, right? It's a, it's a changing thing. We try and evolve to what our business needs, what our customers need. When I uh, started on this journey, we were building out the beginnings of you know, what's the right operational support for the sales team? Let's make sure that's in place, right? And there's a whole exciting journey that's happening in the world from sales ops to revenue ops and uh, the introduction and, and really explosion of sales and revenue enablement. All of those functions are, are a really exciting part of the business. And, and we've grown and scaled that. And that's part of my team. Uh, and then when you focus on pure sellers, we uh, traditionally had some separation between uh, the roles that were focused on net new revenue acquisition and uh, retention or, or renewal of those existing customer base. And one of the first things I did was, was bring that together, right? And, and make sure that we have uh, a central team that is managing both those parts of our business so that it's in lockstep together so that we're just as equally motivated to go land that great new exciting deal as we are to continue to serve and hopefully expand within that customer base that we already have. And so that meant account executives that are responsible for those things with additional resourcing uh, in, in, the, uh, in the form or function of uh, CX or, or, or CS uh, to be able to back them up. And, that has been great, right? That's that's the direction you want to move in. Uh, a cohesive team that's engaging on not just how do I offer the next uh, the next quote, the next sales order to my my customer, but how do we have a, a productive business review? How do we ensure that when we're sitting at the table and talking about the next three years together, it's not just about a, a, a shared goal to solve problems, but to unlock things and, and create new opportunities on both sides uh, and to allow uh, a frank conversation on the technical side. I think one of the things that that CS team really allowed us to, to start doing is create a uh, engineering to engineering engagement layer with our, our customer base uh, that sometimes is sheltered off. And again, that's value add. That's why, why work with Deft because your technical team gets to have that candid conversation about what's working and what's not. And it's not just a you know, high level executive review. It's a, it's a meaningful deliverable to your business that we're presenting. And so that, that meant a lot for, for our customers and for us as well. Uh, and then, you know, you mentioned it and, and obviously we still need to acquire new revenue. Uh, and so you have to have uh, that, that demand gen, you have to have that SDR, BDR function. You have to have uh, people out there creating advocacy within the, the prospect base 
uh, and identifying people who are in need of your help and, and certainly helping them understand why it's worth the five, 10 minutes to have a conversation. That's a hard job, right? I mean, anybody who's yeah. done that knows it's a hard job. Um, there's, there's no two ways about it, but uh, you know, it's one of those jobs that I also encourage everybody on, on our team to partake in. Everybody on our team has to do some uh, cold outbounding. Everybody has to go through what it's like to try and deliver that, that value prop, that elevator pitch. Uh, if you don't know what that is, then you don't know what it's like to yep. not just sit in that SDR job, but also to be that prospect and to have someone trying to, to put that in front of you. And, and that's, I guess, to me, the overarching thing I want from, from this team is people who understand uh, what it's like to, to actually live as, as your customer. Uh, it's easy to say, it's easy to say that that's valuable and we should all do it. But I think if we really put ourselves into that perspective from our, our customer, uh, it's, it's huge. It's, yep. it's as simple as the day-to-day -day life, the, the touch points, the engagement, the messaging, the service delivery, everything takes on a different light. Uh, and and it, is, it is the most valuable exercise I do as a leader. And I hope that the, the people on the team take away uh, individually as well. I love that, Aaron. There's a few things that I want to immediately follow up on, which is number one, you just said, um, you know, sales teams that are supported by um, customer experience, customer success, sales enablement, sales operations, revenue operations, optimization, all these fun things. Everyone's got different terms that they're calling this stuff, but you just nailed it, man. Like that you are basically giving the guys and the gals who are going to be able, I would argue doing the hardest job in any business, which is for folks that have never sold a deal, they do not realize how difficult it is to create X amount of dollars out of thin air. And, and, and I, like you, I started my earlier parts of my career too. I spent a lot of time on ops, customer operations, kind of bridging to product. It's very easy to sit in those camps and say, oh, sales, sales is saying this, sales is doing that. Those guys and gals need to do what you're, what you're doing with your team. Put them on the front line, man. See how difficult it is to send a hundred messages, maybe to get five people to say yes to you, then get ghosted on four out of the five to maybe have your one phone call and then do that all over again. Then you got to have that now enter the next layer of your pipeline or of your, of your conversion math, where maybe you got to have 10, 15, 20 of those conversations just to get a deal. So it's like the, the, the companies out there that are creating incredible customer experience and they're sort of supporting or building all of these bridges of, from product insight and 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 usability uh, insights and just market based insights and they're feeding all that back to product and feeding all that back to sales. Those are companies that when they're getting on that super valuable at bat or it's maybe the first five minute conversation that you're talking about, Aaron. They're value packed. They understand the difference between an ICP or an NICP. They understand what some of the uh, qualification variables are that are probably going to matter the most to a ripe opportunity. Um, and then lastly, it's just this idea of now more than ever in this world, man, we are just competing with so many messages everywhere that if you can't get to the quick and the dirty of why you're talking in like, you know, two to three minutes, it's that easy to lose somebody who could be fully qualified, fully baked, ready to rock and roll ICP lead. So it's like, it's a hard space to be in. But I love that you said, you know, at Deft, one of the things you guys are doing, you've invested early in the CX side and the CS side, customer success side. You're sharing those insights. You've got community. You got communication happening in the business. That's awesome, man. I think that's super, super cool in terms of a lot of companies. It takes them a while to get there. It takes them a while to surface those insights. It gets them. Uh, it takes them a while to figure out how they can support their sales team, regardless of if they're at the top of the funnel or maybe lower in the funnel where they're closers. Um, and then the last part is just like 
in today's world, we have a super unique buying base. We've got a buying base that's got theoretically every answer under the sun at their fingertips. And that makes everything that we just talked about that much harder. Because like every time you're getting on that first sales call, you're talking to an expert on the other line, even though oh, yeah. they might be you know, an expert in a certain thing. They already have a lot of opinions and a lot of ideas for how the world works in that type of, a, of an arena. So I love that. Um, Aaron, I'd love for you to dive in to tools. So you've got this awesome team at Deft. You guys got all these different things that you're focused on. I'd love for you to spend a couple of minutes talking about um, some of the tools that have, have allowed you guys to build and scale and really grow the team and your portfolio. And then I'm also interested because you guys are in a technical space. So I imagine a lot of your customers have different tools that they use. So you've got to, you guys got to constantly be spending time thinking about tools, tools management, spend a few minutes talking about how you guys sort of manage that today. Yeah. So, I mean, that's always a, a natural extension, right? And I think the the last point that you made around the buyer experience is maybe where I would, would start this. I think uh, you're a hundred percent right. Uh, you know, we all do it in our personal lives. It's how all the B2B or B2C buyers out there these days behave is, of course, you're going to go research. You're going to uh, go look in a search engine and find what you can find. You're going to ask your network. You're going to check whatever uh, rating review site that, that you uh, subscribe to, and you're going to find out some things. Uh, and that's going to color your opinion for who you want to engage with, how you want to uh, evaluate, what the, what the questions you're going to be asking are. And each one of those is really a separate lever that impacts what's their expectation of you and, and how do you have to be prepared internally to handle that. And so from a tooling perspective, if you work that backwards, it, it becomes a question around how can I be prepared to, to answer all those things, right? How can I be uh, situated in a way that as the customer facing uh, individual, regardless of role, how am I prepared to handle that? Because you can't be the expert in everything, uh, but you do often have to be able to be ready with some quick fire answers. Uh, it, you know, it, it's classic one-on-one uh, sales to understand when to say, I'll get you an answer versus providing an incorrect answer, but you want to be a knowledgeable face. And so you have to be able to step up, you know, stand up and deliver what that, that customer or prospect is looking for 90% of the time. Uh, and so that also means where's your information live? So, you know, number one, obviously everybody has a CRM. Uh, and in most cases, it's probably Salesforce. That's what we use. Uh, if, uh, if you take that a step further, then it's just a question of how are you operating that, right? That's where the difference in your sales ops, rev ops hiring comes into play, right? How have they set you up for success? What have they prepared already? Do you have the right insights at a you know, quick grab to, to be able to oftentimes present while on the fly with the customer? Uh, and then what do you use to augment that? So we all have CRM. We all have some basic tracking of customer information inside of there. How tied into your product, your offering, your um, billing or, or customer information is that system? And so that linkage becomes really important, right? We use uh, ServiceNow to, to handle okay. our, our customer support integrations. And so how, how tied together with CRM is that? How easy is it for me to see what's going on in your account today? Um, those sort of customer health measures uh, are what I also think makes the, the difference, not just on, on the spot, but when you're preparing to go engage with a customer, when you have more time to build uh, a deck or a presentation to, to talk through those points of 
what am I doing? What, what could you be doing better? What could I be doing better? Lots of that insight comes out of those sort of tools. Uh, and then, you know, insight, KPIs, data, analytics, uh, there's a hundred different ways to chew that off. The, the thing that I always tell my team, and I hope is a, a trait that we all live, is you can go spend millions on, on BI tools and platforms, and we've been able to do that for decades now. Uh, it might be easier to stand some of those tools up now than it was 10 years ago, but building out good data that can be easily reported, that's deduped and has all the right insights at a moment's notice is still very hard work. Yes. Uh, nothing in my mind beats uh, defining your, your outcome, right? Defining the KPI you want to present, defining the insight you want to present and, and do it manually, right? It's not that hard. Pull some data together, throw it into Excel or whatever your, your favorite visualization platform is and use that as the starting point. I, I have my team not just immediately build something out on the tool to solve a problem. The first step, whether it's reporting or uh, a simple data poll that somebody's looking for, is not let's go immediately automate it and spend three weeks cycling on that. Let's define that this is valuable. Let's test it in multiple customers, industries, segments of our business, figure out what's meaningful, what's not. Then, absolutely, let's go back and automate it so it's that much easier to quickly uh, scale that across all of our customers and all of our touch points. But I think far too often we rush to, well, that's cool. I, I want to go do that now for times a hundred and let's get stuck solving that cycle problem rather than the 15 other scale issues that are waiting in the wings behind it. So yep. um, to me, tooling is uh, exciting, right? As, a, as an ops guy, that'll always be a cool thing for me and, and something that I think can add tremendous value for a business. But I also think that it's a, uh, it's a trick. It can be a yeah. fool's errand to get stuck chasing down specific tool sets and, and applications. And um, I, I say that because it's the same reason why I haven't bought, for example, a customer success focused tool for our business, because A, I don't, I don't need it today. Uh, and, and B, do I need it, right? Does it, does it yep. add enough value to uh, justify not just the cost, but the opportunity cost of yep. all the resources to support it, engage it, populate it, curate it, uh, administer it, uh, and the training on your team to be able yeah. to really understand how to leverage it. Uh, those things are often overlooked. And, and one of the things that uh, as a, as a you know, tech evangelist, as a person that lives in that space, it's hard to not want it. It's, it's the flashy thing. But I think that it's a it's an easy kind of third rail that we can grab onto sometimes, think it's going to solve something and, and wind up walking away shocked. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I, I very much encourage my team, solve the root problem, test it out. And then once we've seen that it's value add and we want to do more of it, then by all means, let's make it as easy for anybody in the company to go and get that and, and multiply it times a thousand. Yep. No, I, I, first of all, I love that. And I think awesome, awesome ideas, awesome insights. The, the, the one part that just, it feels like it just keeps coming up more and more and more in on and offline discussions. And you just mentioned this concept of like, number one, all the technology in the world, 
uh, as great as it is, it doesn't necessarily solve all your problems. And then the second part of it is you got to have a team, you got to have leadership, you got to have ongoing coaching support. Somebody's got to manage the system too. All these wonderful, these wonderful SaaS solutions out there, the, shi- the shiny objects as you state, almost every single one of them make it sound like it is the easiest, breeziest thing in the world to stand up, implement, socialize. Not at all the truth. Because if you talk to customer-focused business leaders that have purchased, implemented, and rolled out these tools at a variety of different companies, every business and every team's got a different set of unique challenges. That is the truth. The second thing is like, once you get these things set up and you get them into play and you get them into your team's hands, you're right. You start to uncover all of these areas of that big shiny tool that you never needed in the first place. So then you're you're fool's errand part. I love that comment because now you might have people looking at things that never really mattered. They weren't some of the leading indicators to success. Um, Maybe you then start to create like a culture or an environment of overanalyzing, right? And sometimes companies that overanalyze, they get slower. They almost lead, it almost leads to paralysis, if you will, right? That's hurtful. That's, that doesn't help. And then the last part is just in some of these growth companies, if you have too much stuff to look at and you don't necessarily have the experience on your executive leadership team to be able to constantly hone in on the three or the four, no more than five, the top five things that you got to be completely focused on for this quarter's OKRs. That's why you see so many of these venture capital-backed companies that are just constantly running in a million different directions. I would argue larger companies, part of the reason why they continue to kill it quarter over quarter over quarter, they're phenomenal at focusing. They know exactly where they're hitting that market sweet spot year over year and month over month. Then they get phenomenal at rinse washing and repeating on those sales tactics or those techniques that continue to show those same types of conversion results. And I think that every business and every customer-focused business leader can really kind of learn from that. So I, I love some of the things that you're calling out with the tools. Last part is this. I just think that it's funny where um, the context, man, like, so the context switching, it's amazing. Some of the work that we do at CXE here with our clients, Aaron, we're constantly seeing some of these companies that will unroll, I'm not even kidding, 10, 15, 20 pieces of SaaS technology. And then they're blown away when they found out that there's only two or three tools that the company actually uses religiously. And then to your point about data hygiene or data cleanliness, or or just even your ability to know that your data is going to be usable in the type of way where even after you did, uh, you know dedupe some of the some of the errors or some of the issues or some of the challenges in it, companies constantly some of these growth companies they don't know how to manage all of these different tools and aggregate that data into one clean bucket that then whether it's your team of analysts or whether it's your BI tool can then start showing some actionable insights or start showing things that the business can act upon based on the feedback. So all awesome ideas there. Um, Aaron, I'd love to pick your brain on the third CX pillar process though. So we, and we kind of started to dabble in this, but you, you, you gave some awesome example on the tool side. What have you seen work really well for process? So as, as you're building a team, growing, your, growing your, 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 your team or your department, what are some of the things that have worked really well for you for keeping like your playbooks or your SOPs or just the, the general rules of engagement internally for, for, for your teams? I'd love to hear you talk about process. Yeah, so I think, um, you know, first, obviously, I, I agree with what you said. And I think uh, maybe the easiest way to think about process and how it relates to everything else we've talked about is is focus, right? So um, I think it's very telling that we live in a day and age where uh, most companies are buying tool sets to help them focus on what tools and SaaS subscriptions and other things have they purchased, right? We have so many of those things in place, we don't even know how many of those things we have in place. Uh, I, I think that that, that creates this like uh, crazy dynamic in a business around, well, now we just have too many. Let's let's 
focus on trimming it down, not on what adds value, not on what's the best customer process, not on how do we solve problems for our, our clients or, or create a better journey? How do we cut our SaaS costs, right? Um, we, all, we always tend to swing too far on that equilibrium, no matter where we are, right? And, and my personal belief is that balance exists in all things and, and that focus helps us get there. So um, great example on the process side is uh, business reviews. You know, I think business reviews are a, a core tenant of, of what many of us believe constitutes a good customer success team or function, something that's a clear deliverable most customers yep. or clients have. Uh, and even within that, right, what's the right process to define what a business review is? Is it quarterly? Is it, is it monthly? Uh, is it uh, a business meeting? Is it a technical meeting? Do we dig into facts and facts and figures? Do we dig into uh, more telling roadmap on, on where we want to go, right? Who owns it? Is it a sales conversation? Is it a customer success or experience conversation? Should it be led by an executive or someone from the product or the technical side? Uh, and, and go from the customer perspective, right? Who should I be bringing to this meeting? Is this something for me as the the service or the application owner? Is it something that I need to engage my executive team in? Are you trying to pitch to me on buying a new product and I need my manager or my procurement person or whoever? Uh, Everybody handles those things differently. Uh, But I think that within an organization like like Deft, uh, we have to define for ourselves, what do we want? What, What do we hope that we're bringing as value add and lay out a course for our customer to understand this is what this is right? Yeah. This is what we're yeah. doing this for. And you can help shape it. You can have a, a voice in what your business review is. Of course you can. It's your business. Uh, and let's, let's do that together. And so we've tried to create, as just one example, in that process, the opportunity for the customer to own that engagement, right? What's the cadence you want? What's the audience you want from our side? What can we bring to the table on this cadence that you've specified that would be value-add? And based on that, who do we now think is the right audience from your side of the table to be able to participate in that meeting? And similar to um, similar to value selling, similar to this idea of putting in front of a customer something that's hard to say no to and something that, that instantly registers as, well, of course I should be doing that. If you build out your process so that they're bought in and they're partaking in whatever it is that you are delivering, there's an immediate uh, pendulum swing to, oh, this is great. I want to do this and I want to do more of this. And I'm going to, you know, every quarter, I'm going to bring my C-suite into this. And this is now the new benchmark, right? This is what I now expect from all of our partners, from all of our uh, engaged uh, companies. And and that's what we want to see. So that's huge. And, and an external process. I think the, the other example I would position is just internally, right? How do you internally inside your business create process that allows your customer facing teams to have focus? Uh, it's the same thing. We, we have training teams or product management teams or ops teams that are competing for time and attention from your customer facing staff. How do you make sure that they're getting the insights they need and it's in a focused manner, right? And, and to me, that's the, the same idea. 
it, it takes some good leadership to make sure that you are aligning internally on what's critical, what's what's the next step that needs to be taken to mature and grow this team, this function, our, our deliverables. But then also there's a little bit of everything that gets baked into that. It's the people, it's yep. the process, and and it's the the tool set. And so that's why we went down that path of very early, even with a small uh, customer facing team to start with, let's invest in uh, an enablement platform to allow our team to have that central place to live for all of their internal and external collateral, for all of their sales training, for all of their internal um, uh, practice and, and pitching and uh, mentoring from their sales management. All that lives in one place for them. And so their life is, you know, I'm in my CRM, I'm in my enablement tool, or I'm in a customer facing engagement and create for them focus in their own workflow, their own lives. Uh, and suddenly you'll see the, the outcome of that is they're way more engaged with the customer base that they're speaking to, the, the actions that they're being asked to take, and hopefully delivering a differentiated and value-add buyer experience, which from, from my own personal point of view is what makes the difference. Because we can all argue right about the three Ps and about how to be the, the best um, value-add for our customers that we can. But frankly, customers want to see that you are meeting them where they expect you to meet them. You're delivering what they expect you to, de to deliver and that you are a knowledgeable resource that up levels for them or their team, whatever challenge they're, they're seeking to solve. And if you ignore that, if you ignore that customer journey and that experience that they have, then all you can compete on is, is price, right? And none of us want to be in that space. Yeah. Yep. Um, I absolutely love it. Um, I think Aaron, the, the first thing you make me think about, like just in terms of even that, 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 that customer um, relationship and adding value made me immediately think about the power and the important performance, or sorry, the, the power of performing regular customer portfolio reviews is one of the first things you made me think about because how is it possible to, to become a strategic partner? If, and you just nailed it. If you don't already I know the cadence, the preferred cadence, whether it's a weekly, a biweekly, a monthly, um, some people are busy. They, they can only talk every 90 days. Me personally, with some of our customers at CXC, I don't love it when I hear north of that. And I hear people say, we talk with them once a year and that's what they like. And I'm like, I don't know. Let me, I'd like to reach out to 10 of your customers and see if that's true. Because my guess is 80% of them are going to say they want to talk to you more than once a year, especially if you have an expensive product or an expensive service. Uh, yeah, Most paying customers have lots of opinions and lots of free advice that they're willing to give you at least on a quarterly basis. So that's, that's one thing. So I love that you're bringing that up. But then on the second part, the enablement part, and I love that you 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 gave us an awesome example of this because I think that a lot of companies struggle with this piece. I think a lot of companies, when they get good at selling and they get good at finding new customers and they get good at setting new customers up, oftentimes that's when they start to kind of lose a little bit of the momentum internally on keeping your people, your employees educated, keeping them supported. Uh, I use the word socialization constantly with our clients at CXC and they, and, and I, I know some people that know me well, they laugh because, but it's true, man. If you're not constantly thinking about how you're going to broadcast what needs to be socialized on a given week, a given month, a given quarter within a business, it's really easy to forget from an executive lens. We throw so much messaging out into the, into an average company that it becomes almost impossible for your people to know what are the top three things you want me to focus on. That's number one. The second thing is I think about it constantly like the news, the six o'clock news, like 
How do you think ABC and CBS and NBC, three of the largest networks on the planet, how do you think they get so darn good at showing the world everything that happened in a 30-minute segment, right? They've got they've got their, their, their international, their national. They've maybe got something about business economics. They've got something about sports. They've got something about weather, right? My point is, is like, if you just take a page from one of the best storytellers that the planet has seen in some of these, these news networks, companies can do the exact same thing in their own startup, in their own growth focus company. I don't care if you have 100 people on your team or if you've got uh, 10,000 people in your business. And I think that's another thing that some of our listeners, you don't need to wait for your executive team to do that. If you're running, if you're running customer success, start there. Like Start coming up with like the six o'clock news for customer success. If you're in Aaron's role and you're thinking about all revenue and revenue operations and everything under the revenue umbrella, spend some time thinking about that sales report. But then the other piece too is I think what's going to become a a far more popular trend, especially post pandemic, and especially with uh, just what's happening with the Great Resignation and this big massive talent migration that's happening across the world of people. People want to work at companies where they feel informed. They feel like they know what's happening. They've got the pulse or the drumbeat of not just the executive team but the whole damn business. And then second of all, you know, companies that provide and build incredible customer experiences nine out of 10 times have dynamite employee experience. Their people are well, they're well in tune with what's going on. They know what the North and the South and the East and the West is. They know what their role is on the team. And then they already know that they've got the autonomy and the authority to constantly be bringing the next greatest uh, idea or the next great thing that you're going to do for your customers, bring it up the damn ladder, bring it straight to the, to the executive team. And I think that those are going to be things that our listeners, that's up to you guys, right? As future leaders, you've got to be thinking about how you bring that stuff back to your team's tomorrow, right? So I love it. Um, Aaron, I want to I want to wrap with the fourth and the final CX pillar of feedback. So you guys have done some incredible things at Deft. What have been some of the best ways that you guys have been able to collect customer feedback? And then what have been some of the best ways you've been able to collect and leverage your employee feedback as you've grown the business and grown the team? Yeah. So I, I think uh, right on, you know, with, with what you were saying is we all know that that CSAT and you know customer satisfaction is an important number, and and how do you differentiate yourself? You know, largely can be dictated by what do your customers think of you, and how how do they engage? And if they told five of their friends, would it would it be yay or nay? So obviously that's important, and um, we do a lot of the traditional things. So uh, I mentioned service now before. If you're engaging with us on a support question ticket, uh, you know of course you're going to get a follow on survey. Um, through that, that business review process, you're creating a whole very candid avenue for, for customers to be able to share in a focused meeting with a broad audience. Here's what I like or what I don't like or what my questions are or what I don't understand. And if you can create a, a safe environment for, for any customer, anyone in that meeting to be able to voice what that concern is, certainly that adds great value across both sides of the table. And you know, finally, some of it is, is very basic, but it's creating for your customers access to offer those insights or feedback outside of the one, two, three standard touch points they're used to, right? So a typical customer knows who their account rep is. They, they know who you know, maybe they have on a customer success or experience function. Uh, they might have another tertiary contact who is engaged with them from sales engineering or the tech side or something else. But oftentimes we're, we're not good about creating uh, avenues for our customers to raise their hand and say, hey, you're the VP of revenue. Hey, you manage the marketing function. 
uh, oh my goodness, you're in charge of product for a company that I, I take services from. I'd love to share that input with you, right? And create uh, opportunities for stakeholders in those businesses to engage with you. And sometimes it's non-traditional. You know, sometimes the stakeholder is actually more financially minded and he wants to talk to your CFO and he would find the most value in being able to talk at length with that individual. Or maybe it's your data privacy officer, or, you know, maybe it's someone who's working in a technical role, but opening up uh, that, that contact list inside your business and letting people have some of that access isn't a threat. It's, it's a huge value add and finding the avenue to present that and to, you know, sometimes curate it. So you're protecting your, your own team's bandwidth, but allowing people to have that access has been a, a differentiator, especially when you look at the uh, the markets that, that certain companies play in. For us, we live in a world where a lot of our competition are large-scale enterprise organizations that would never do that. They would never give you direct access to some of those individuals. And so certainly, why would you want to work with us? Because you're going to be part of the team and you can talk yeah. to any of these key stakeholders in our business if you have something you, you want to share with us, good or bad. Uh, I, so I think that's really important. And then uh, on, on the employee side, nothing has made a bigger difference for us over the last two plus years than staying really in tune with the, the company, right? I think uh, it is very easy to ignore that the opinion of your employees has huge sway, not just on your business and the productivity of that business, but on the trajectory of that business. If yep. your team isn't pulling together and, and pulling for you as, as a combined entity, you're not going anywhere. So you, you have to hear, you have to listen and react and, and iterate based on, on what you're learning. Uh, and you have to find different ways to do that. So sometimes that's through more frequent uh, executive engagement. Sometimes it's through creating uh, opportunities for Q&A and roundtables and discussion and debate and making yep. sure everyone's voice is heard by all the people involved in making those decisions. Uh, and then other times it's as simple as saying, you know what, instead of trying to measure your engagement with us on a quarterly or annual basis, that's silly, right? You're an employee 365 days of the year. Let's engage with you much more frequently. Let's let's check your pulse way more often uh, and understand what happened last week that our company suddenly had some, uh, you know, obtuse reaction to something or was really supportive of something that we announced. And oh my goodness, okay, now we know. We know that they didn't or they did like that. Let's react to that. Uh, and you can't you can't live as if it's not a data point that we can measure and understand these days. So what we want to do from our leadership perspective, at least, is stay as engaged as we can, try and check that pulse and, and be uh, as engaged with our, our employee base as we can and offer them varied opportunities depending upon their own personal styles for providing feedback to, to have an, a safe avenue to do so. Sometimes it's anonymous, sometimes it isn't, right? Sometimes it's through a direct line of management and sometimes it isn't. I will tell you the one thing that, that we have done that I personally found the most enlightening was bringing in management from external uh, teams uh, meaning non-customer facing, non-sales, and having them lead conversations with the customer facing and sales team about their employee experience or, or things going on in the business. 
and let them be the facilitators of that, right? Removing your own management team from the picture in that discussion solicited some great feedback that maybe we wouldn't have gotten otherwise. Yeah. And um, again, allowed different individuals on our team to voice themselves that maybe they wouldn't have otherwise. And to me, that's at least as my own personal leadership goal, something that I want to see us do more of and I want to see more organizations do more of is recognizing just like learning styles can be different, individual employee feedback styles are different. And yep. not everybody reacts well to a web form. Not everybody wants to voice themselves on uh, interactive Q&A session, right? You have to find and meet your, your team where they want to be met and, and hopefully learn something from it and then go and take whatever corrective action you need to. But that's kind of been our journey. That's, you know, I think everybody is still learning what, what and how and, and, and where we go from here. But I think that's been the, you know, one of the big takeaways for us. I love it, Aaron. Awesome, awesome ideas. Awesome, um, you know, next steps and action items for for some of our listeners. But kind of love what you guys have been doing there because I think it's you just now that you have to a meet people where they need to be met. And and I'm gonna go a little bit further. This is like if you've got a thousand customers and you know that a quarter of them are phone call people, a quarter of them are survey people, a quarter of them are in person people or Zoomers, and then a quarter of them are just texters or 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 a different type of messaging solution play that way. Your employees are the exact same way. Employees are able, they've got their comfortable spots. They've got their, their spaces where they actually feel safe and they can give you candid, actionable feedback on the employee side. And I don't know that enough companies really do a fantastic job of aggregating both of those different sets, both of those feedback sets into one type of bucket that then they can make, because look, when you've got the the good, the bad, and the ugly from the customer side, and you got the good, bad, and the ugly from the employee side, and you do some trends and analysis, and you see where there's alignment, very, very good place to start prioritizing right there, right? Because if your employees are saying it and your customers are saying it, probably a ripe spot for improvement or optimization. The other thing is this, man, is like companies that build these incredible cultures and these awesome employee experiences I would say nine out of 10 times, they're, they're doing a phenomenal job of taking what they've already learned on the customer side, which is listen, collect, assess, and act. And they're just doing it on the employee side. And I think for today's smartest and brightest A players and contributors, they want to work at a place that they know that their feedback is A, going to be listened to. Number two, it, they don't want to keep smashing their head against the wall. If you keep doing the same thing wrong again and again and again, People have a limited appetite for that this day and age. And I get it. Sometimes you're in a business where the executive team might not have the ability or uh, the desire to shift because let's, let's call it what it is. If you're, if you're killing it on the, on the financial performance side, you might be a little bit more uh, pressed to not change anything, right? If you keep crushing sales goals and if you keep blowing through your conversion metrics and if everybody continues to see your sales going up to the right, you're, you could be hesitant to want to change because you want to keep that, that same type of pattern going. But I do think it's important to realize that they're just like anything in life, anything in business, anything um, in, in your career. They're stepping stones to this stuff. You can find your preference. You can find what works for your team, your business, your customer base, and you can get started there. So, Aaron, this has been an absolute pleasure, man. Uh, tons of awesome insights. Before we wrap up today's episode, my friend, where can people find out more about you and where can people get in touch with your team at Def today to learn more about the services that you guys are uh, providing to your customers? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, uh you know, uh, at Aaron Biggs out there on all the, the socials in the world. Uh, but importantly, 
you know, I think uh, anybody that happens to, to need support in the infrastructure IT managed services space, uh, DEFT is a four letter uh, domain name away from you, right? So DEFT.com, uh, happy to engage uh, and, uh, and help try and solve problems. But, uh, you know, Adrian, it's been a, it's been a blast. Uh, you know, I love digging into this stuff. I, I think it's huge value. I hope the, the listeners took something away and, uh, uh, you know, look forward to chatting more in the future. Thank you for listening to another episode of the CX Chronicles podcast. We're thrilled to have you as a part of the CX Nation, tuning in to customer-focused business leaders from across the world. Be sure to check out the CXC website, and as always, find us on any of your favorite podcast players, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and more. Thanks so much for making this show a reality and being a part of the CX Nation. And as always, folks, remember to make happiness a habit.